next on BYUSN, the BYU football offense reloaded again this year, and offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick says he believes they've upgraded at every position. What does that mean for BYU's offense? And speaking of A-Rod, we go one-on-one with an in-depth look at the BYU offense. Plus, does men's hoop success hinge on NIL money? And Adam Amina Fox discusses Cougars in the NFL, and expansion continues, but not in the sport you were hoping. Oh, what a tease. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, August 16th. I am Spencer Linton alongside wedding officiator, Jerem Jordan. I've never, I've never officiated a wedding, but Max Tooley just got married, and former uh, BYU defensive end slash linebacker Devin Kafusi, who is now at that school up north, mm-hmm. officiated the wedding, which is kind of cool. Remember, over uh, COVID, uh, Mark Pope actually officiated Colby Lee's work, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, so who knows? Who knows? Maybe one day. I don't know. That feels like a lot of responsibility. I don't that, really, that's I don't a lot really of pressure. That. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, yeah. Mark seems to relish the spotlight in, in situations I feel like, Mark would like that. Rush like, yes, he's yeah. great. I, I would be interested to see, yeah, the, the Devin Kafusi wedding. Right? The Devin Kafusi wedding. Yeah, <laughs> Devin can do it. Yeah. He did it. He did it. Yeah. Absolutely. Congrats very, to Max. And, very cool. Uh, his wife. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to when you get to officiate a wedding, brother. Just, uh, I'm not. <laughs> and, you, and you get to be in the spotlight. Ain't, ain't nobody asking me to officiate a wedding. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. I feel like we're stronger at every position group on our team than we were a year ago. All our running backs are bothers, every single one of us. Keaton looks really comfortable. I mean, he's in complete control. Up front, got some big guys that are really moving things. The offense, some guys making really big time plays for us. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. Aaron Roderick, ultimately complimentary of his offense yesterday, going position by position, saying BYU is upgraded at every position group. You just heard it a moment ago in that little music video we played for you. Let's hear from Coach Roderick again the specific commentary that he offered on his offense yesterday. We have a good team. We have upgraded at every position on offense this year. We're, let's say quarterbacks, you know, replacing a good player, so that's probably a wash, but I feel like we're stronger at every position group on our team than we were a year ago. Uh, that is quite well then the comment. From a guy who doesn't tend to use hyperbole. Yes, he does not mince words. He's no. not used them in vain. He not, means not it at when all. he says it. So and Jerem, I believe him. If if you do believe him, and I do too. Yeah, but let's walk through it. Okay, let's let's go through it yep. and discuss what an upgraded BYU offense really looks like against this schedule. So let's go position by position and look at it. Okay, quarterback is TBD. We hope that Keaton Slovis can have a Jaron Hall like season. Jaron was good. Man. Yeah, yeah, like and he if, said it was a wash. Like, I'd take it. I love it. Uh, in, in terms of the talent and potential, where we sit in this moment on August 16th, sure. But Jaron was stinking good, man. He didn't turn it over, and he was super explosive. Like, Completed 66% of his passes. Doesn't take, turn the ball over. Like, Keaton Slovis is going to find the middle of the field better than Jaron did. I don't know that Keaton's going to take care of the ball in the same way that Jaron did, but hopefully that's what Aaron Roderick offense and coaching hopefully will do. So, QB, I hope so. That's how I feel about QB. How about you? Yeah, I think that BYU fans and certainly Aaron Roderick and the entire coaching staff and all of BYU, Cougar, BYU Sports Nation, 
they're all hoping that he rediscovers something close to what he put out there his freshman season at USC. And I know, I hear it from every other fan base. Yeah, well, he had three NFL receivers. I get it. Like, Keaton Slovis had an incredible receiving core. Do you know that Ty Denton had zero NFL receivers uh, when he won the Heisman? It doesn't require amazing receivers to have a good quarterback yeah. here. He completed over 70% of his passes that freshman year and had some just ridiculous numbers. I'm not asking for the exact ridiculous numbers. Yeah. I'm asking for Keaton Slovis, if it is a wash, to do what Jaron Hall did last year, which is complete 66% of your passes and have essentially a three- or four-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, okay? So if he throws 25 touchdown passes and seven interceptions or 30 touchdown passes and eight interceptions, that great, fantastic. Those are nice numbers. I think that he is more than capable of doing that, and that to me would be a wash at the quarterback position if he can put up 66% completion percentage and then a three- or four-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. Look at this fresh-faced Keaton Slovis out of it. high school. Oh, young Arizona. man, Keaton ready to roll at Little USC. does he know he's going to lose to BYU and be at BYU. 72% completion percentage in 2019. Yeah, so we, we, we're hoping he discovers close to yes. that. Yes, more on Keaton tomorrow. you are hear your conversation with Keaton uh, tomorrow. Offensive line. Now, I can't definitively say the starters are better. Because last year was the number one ranked pass protection offensive line, number 12 run block. It's hard to say that this year is better. But I am going to say BYU is deeper and has better chemistry. That's what I am going to say. The offensive that. line absolutely yes. has better chemistry. Yes. And is better, uh, better depth there. Okay? I will say that. How do you feel about yeah, it? Yeah, if you have better depth, have you not upgraded? I, I, think, I think that's what Aaron means. Yeah. I, I, he's not necessarily – I think he is meaning like – Top-end talent in most cases. Sure. Not at receiver. You lose Puka. There's no Puka on this team. But there are more uh, guys among the receivers in terms of depth. You did lose a top-end guy, but BYU feels very good about five or six guys right now. Last year, I think we felt good about two or three in that same space. Aaron feels like Kingsley Suamataia is better than both Brady Christensen and Blake Freeland. Which is amazing, considering those guys are both... Both third-round NFL draft picks. Sorry, yeah. Blake was in Brady the fourth was, round. But still, yeah. like Aaron's straight-up says, no, he's better than both of those guys that are now playing in the NFL and in Brady's Amazing. Case, starting in the NFL. Straight up. And then he referenced a guy like Paul Miley, who's like, he started at Utah. He was the starting center on a Rose Bowl Simi Malala started at and Utah and is yes, a backup tackle here right exactly. now. Exactly. Because he didn't play college football. Like and then Caleb Etienne, he just said, look, they're all grateful to be here. They're all re-engaged. You mentioned, chem- awesome. you mentioned chemistry. That matters with an O-line. Yes. Yeah. So depth-wise, yeah, I feel like they have upgraded. Like there are more options for BYU. If somebody totally. goes down, I'm not like, oh, no! I felt concerned. Like if, if BYU has to go to its next three at receiver, which we'll, you'll hear from Aaron Roderick about how deep he wants that group to be, feel way better about it. Last year we were like, who is Cody Epps? We didn't know. Yeah. Yet. And he yeah. emerged after Gunner and Puka were quite injured, right? Braden Cosper was a good kind of, uh, you know, backup there. I think BYU continues to get better, which is what you want. Okay, running back. I think this is a major upgrade overall from what BYU had last year. Um, Aiden Robbins, we hope, is better than Christopher Brooks. And then we think Deion Smith is going to be equal to or better than what Lopini Cato was. And then there's LJ Martin. Yep. Wait until you hear what Aaron Roderick says about LJ Martin Mm. coming up Mm. in the next segment. I am surprised that he singled out a true freshman like this. I am surprised, if and it's exciting. If your fourth-string running back ends up being Hinkley Ropati, like, 
BYU fans saw what Hinkley Rapati is capable of in some small in measure. In the screen game, he was year. good, but you need more consistency, more uh, diversity of skill. But if he's space. your fourth guy, he's an experienced guy that's capable. Yeah. Miles Davis had a hundred yard game last year. Is he even in the top three? Like that's awesome. And then uh, tight end. You bring back Isaac Rex, he's healthy. You're automatically better because Isaac Rex is healthy. Yes. But the depth there is good. I was also surprised by the, uh, two, the, the backups, twos and threes, among the tight ends that Aaron Roderick mentioned as well. There are a few names that are not familiar to most fans. That's some coming ju- up as some well. Some Juco transfers. Some, some, some Juco and FCS transfers. So yeah. on offense, to say that overall they got better, I think you can say that because they went out to the portal and got a lot of guys that are ready, uh, ready products that are ready to go. They got deeper in certain skill positions that matter. Like they could have taken a mild step back in running back and had a better run game if the O line is as good or deeper than last year. Now, will they be as good in the PFF rankings? I don't believe they will be, but I think I think that they could show yeah. quality in a different quantifiable way. So uh, you mentioned the wide receiver position, and uh, I feel like it. it it That's is, the biggest upgraded position, perhaps? Maybe. Uh, maybe. O-line, perhaps, as well, okay. those two. Those, those two are in the conversation. You feel like running back uh, might be it as well because of... I guess I like three of those, Spence. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> LJ, LJ Martin changes things for BYU. Having a three that you're intrigued by. Last year, we did not have a third-string running back that we were intrigued by. Well, and not just a, a number three guy that, you know, is like, oh, he's a, he's a project, like... No. They feel like if we need to use LJ Martin this year, he's ready. Yes. Right a- now. Aiden is the workhorse. Dion is super versatile. And then LJ is available. Yeah, how Let's about go. that? I mean, but a receiver, like Gunnar Romney was awesome when he could stay on the field. He it just was wasn't awesome. healthy enough. It was super unfortunate yeah. that he just could not get rid of one or of multiple injuries. He, he hurts himself in camp, like yes. they too. It just, and he's never the same. It's thing. just unfortunate because he was, he was great. He was an explosive big play receiver. They could stretch the field, but he couldn't stay on the field. And Braden Cosper had to retire because he too was just like dealing with nagging injuries and yes. nicked up and he's tired of it. Yes. You, so you, those guys go away and you bring in Keelan Marion, who BYU believes will eventually be an NFL receiver. He's the he's the most sort of exciting prospect okay. on this team. Maybe he and LJ. So he now is stretching the field mm-hmm. with his speed and athleticism. And then Darius Lassiter, who in the words Great of Fessy Stuckey says, he's got the best hands of anybody on my wide receiver core, including the three guys that we already know about. And they're better than last year. So I'm getting excited, man. Yeah. Give me that blue goggles. Okay. Aaron, so Aaron Roderick said it. We just went through it. Yeah. What does it mean for BYU football? It still probably means seven and five to to be determined. Just because it's going to be hard in the league. But what if BYU wins eight games and we didn't see it coming? Eh, maybe yeah. today on August sixteenth, we felt like it might happen. What does it look like against this schedule? I think it looks like BYU is going to be in every stinking game they play, Jeremy. I hope so. They are going to be in every game. They're going to lose some close games. They're going to win some close. Games. They're going to be in every game. That's what it means compete. to me. Win and then when you don't compete. Okay, yesterday uh, top two. Yesterday point guard Quez Glover committed to Kansas State. We'll see you in league. Uh, after transferring from Brigham Young University due to NIL money issues, Robbie McCombs, Vanquish the Foe, tweeted the following yesterday. Basketball recruiting is different than football recruiting. A player went to a Big 12 school as a bench player. Bench player! And will get 200 k plus and a guaranteed NIL contract. Can I be a bench player in the Big 12? Um, it's quite a statement. Here's what Mark Pope told the media when asked if NIL was the main contributing factor in Glover leaving BYU. This was Friday. 
Yeah, it was all NIL. It was 100% NIL. Thank you for the direct response. Uh, Spencer, is BYU men's basketball success hinging on NIL money? <sighs> is that what it is? I, I know that it is maybe the number one priority for Mark Pope and his staff to just have more available to offer players because here's what Mark is looking at. Here's what he's seeing on the surface. Mm -hmm. All of the other Big 12 teams in, in basketball are, <laughs> and again, this is, I don't want to be, you know, to use hyperbole here, but like they all feel like <laughs> basically all elite level basketball teams, Jerem. Like the majority Not of all the, are, but there are a lot of good teams. The majority of the Big 12 yeah. is like NCAA tournament capable, right? Yes, yes, that's a good phrase. And BYU's behind the curve a little bit. Yes, they, they BYU, need to get on the right side of things. BYU does not feel NCAA tournament capable to the same degree at the moment. Like if because BYU, it's the same roster as last year, essentially. If BYU had more to NIL money to use and to compete with a $200,000 guaranteed NIL contract for a bench player, then yes, that would certainly help. Yeah. Is that the number one thing, though? I still am not ready to like go there and For say success. like money is number one, and then everything else after that. Coaching, uh, development of players once they're in the program, based on like the schedule you get. Like there are a lot of you know yeah. other factors, but I'm not ready to say that yes, their success hinges on nil money. I, let me be cliche. It feels Look, like what that's what they're saying though. Like Look, you give us two million bucks. They, to, it feels like that's priority number one. That's like, priority number. Give us more money, and we will deliver you a winner. A.K.A. get to the tourney and win some games. Like, right now, the standard would be just get to the tourney. This, this team is not super different from last year. When Quez goes away, you've added Ali Khalifa and Dawson Baker. Those are nice additions yeah. from the transfer portal. Does it put you over the hump where we're confident BYU will make the tourney? At the moment, no. This team could certainly develop into that group. But it, I am troubled by the idea that it's perhaps that simple. I don't know. They're not saying that, but it feels sometimes like it's, okay, if we had $2 bucks, we could buy a competitive team. Yeah, and to clarify, it's not, you're not allowed to pay the players from a university fund straight right. up. It's got to be a separate It's got to be entity. an entity or a business that's paying it's, the players. It's Royal Blue Collective. It's Coo Connect. Those are the big two at this point, right? I am concerned, though. This, this place is unique. It has to have a unique approach to what it does to compete. That mindset and idea fits into what everyone else does. What is the thing that BYU can do to be competitive if it doesn't have that? Culture. Can, can it? Culture. Uh, are, there, are the LDS uh, players uh, currently not as good as they used to be? Like BYU's been good at basketball for a long time, being sort of majority of players who grow up liking or maybe wanting to go to BYU at some point. What is it that has sort of changed in this? Oh, the portal, the NIL. Is it, is it the pressure there, of the Big 12? Like we need, I, it, we yes. need a different type of player? I think there are LDS kids that in the past perhaps wanted to go to BYU, Stephen Ashworth, who took money to go to Creighton. You're going to lose those guys too. So I, I'm not naive. I don't think every LDS kid wants to come to BYU and will take like no NIL money to do it. But I am concerned by the idea that if you don't have that money, mm -hmm. that maybe you don't compete. It's like, aren't there other ways of doing this, perhaps? And Mark, I think, is looking at it going, the pressure, I agree with you, the pressure of the Big 12 is very stressful right now and the ability to gather a roster that you can say is athletic enough, skilled enough to compete. I know it's not the, the old whack. I know that. But I am concerned by this idea because 
then it's on the fan base to produce the roster. It's not on the coaches at this point as much. It's on donations. It's on the donations. So, it is, yeah, uh, we want BYU men's basketball to compete. BYU men's basketball will compete this year. But to get to the level that Mark Pope is talking about, it requires more is what he is saying. Yeah. Maybe it is as simple as being able to go to a player and say, we'll match what Creighton is going to give you. We'll match what Kansas State is going to give you. Stay here. We'll match what Iowa State's going to give you or what Kansas is going to give you. Maybe it is as simple as that for a few players. Because but, Big 12. Yes, it's because of the Big 12. To it's keep not those it's guys okay. in Provo. But I, I'm with you. Like I like the idea that, that BYU is still the front runner in getting the top-tier members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to come to BYU and be the guys in their and the culture that they grew up in. Perhaps with less NIL money because and, they love BYU that much. Yeah, like where's like Keaton Slovis? Where's but, the Keaton But can Slovis? BYU up the ante? And, and why is it not as public in football? I don't know. I, these Fair are, questions. These are questions. Fair questions. Yeah. There are a lot of, my, my thing is, there are a lot of teams that have a lot of money, Jerem. A lot of programs that have a lot of money that, st- that still can't win. That aren't as good as BYU. Yes. So BYU is doing a good job. They just want to get to the next level. Right. So, like, what? it's not all about money because Correct. Texas A&M's got loads of money. And they don't. Why can't they put a consistent winner they don't, on the field of they play? Don't, they don't challenge for an SEC title right now. Exactly. So it can't all be about money. Like it's, it's more than that, but that's where it begins, it sounds like, for Mark Pope. Yes. Success, yeah, it's definitely a factor, but it's not like the only thing. Yeah. Our question of the day, what do you think? Does BYU men's basketball success hinge on name, image, likeness, money, the ability to pay the players to come here, to stay here, when we're referencing Quest Glover, okay, for BYU's uh, Royal Blue Collective and businesses that they associate with to be able to pay these players? Is that simple? Greg Rosenhan on X says, 100% NIL is essential with basketball due to the small roster size. Less room for error. Okay. Unfortunately, some kids are chasing the money. True. BYU basketball needs to get to the place where they can bring in good athletes that don't care about NIL. I, it's got to be a middle ground, I think, between, yes, BYU is raising more money, specifically for men's basketball, and you're still getting kids that care about, about NIL, but they will take less because, hey, I want to be at BYU, but also, like, I could go sure. elsewhere and get – be a bench warmer on this team, or I could be maybe be a starter at BYU. Or what whatever. is the priority for the player? And for a player that doesn't hasn't known BYU like Quez Glover isn't grown up in like like the BYU. That's realm. where that's where the the kid who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Saints understands sort of what BYU. Yes, is. I'm not saying BYU shouldn't recruit anyone who's not a member. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the I think the majority of kids on the team generally it is going to be easier to find the, that kid. But you need all kinds of great people coming in to make a roster. And we've seen that with the BYU roster mm. the last couple of years. Uh, great people from all walks of life is awesome. Hashtag BYUS on X, Facebook, and Instagram to join that conversation. You can watch last night's uh, After Further Review where the crew breaks down players who can make an impact for BYU this season. John Nelson, Hinkler, Rapazzi, and more. Watch it on demand on the BYU TV app. Up next, following fall practice number 12, or training camp practice number 12, Jerem Jordan went one-on-one with Aaron Roderick to discuss what Keaton Slovis brings to the table and went position by position. How much have they really upgraded? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by Beastbox Global Grill, a unique dining experience featuring Texas, Hawaiian, and Korean meats. Time to feast. 
about for the double pass here. Got a bevy of blockers in front of him. Oh, with a house call. Touchdown, Cougars. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Very interesting trending topics today. If you missed that conversation about NIL money and BYU basketball and then BYU football upgrading at every position, you can always see that on demand. But On offense. On offense, yes, yes. Thank you for clarifying that. And that is... We seek it on defense as well. What we are going to look into now more with your one-on-one -on -one interview with yes. Aaron Roderick. Talked to offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick yesterday. He's excited that BYU has a good team, he says, which is awesome. We're stoked. Let's get to know the position groups a little bit better after my conversation with BYU's offensive coordinator. All right, Aaron. Uh, third year at the helm here. Uh, how have you evolved as a play caller the last couple of years uh, going into this season? Um, gosh, um, well, I'm just always trying to get better. You know, we ask, we ask the players to get better. You know, you ask them to work all off season on, you know, and getting stronger in the weight room or getting better at certain techniques and skills. And so I, coaches have to do the same thing. So um, I've spent every off season doing everything I can to be a better coach. And, um, and I ask the same thing of all my assistants. Can you watch football casually or, or are you always kind of picking at, oh, I liked that, maybe I'll have that influence in my play calling? Yeah, I'm, I, you can't, I can't watch it casually. Yeah, I'm always seeing the, you know, you just, I think all coaches are that way. You're just seeing the scheme of it. And, and um, you know, a lot of the best plays are borrowed and stolen, you know. So a lot of times I'm watching NFL preseason game and I see, oh, that fits us. That's something we do well or, you know, fits something we do well. And, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's just how it is. Okay, let's walk through some of the positions. Obviously, Keaton uh, Slovis at one. Is Jake Retzloff the number two quarterback, or is that still a battle? He's he's uh, been taking number two reps, uh, splitting the number two reps with Cade. Um, Cade has uh, been dealing with a little bit of minor minor deal that's held him back a little bit lately, and and uh, I feel like Jake's really done a nice job the last few practices. So that's not a final decision yet, but right now uh, Cade's got a little. I mean, uh, Jake's Jake's had a few more reps lately. Yeah. Running back, safe to say Aiden is the number one, and then is there a battle for two, or is that Deion Smith? Um, so Aiden's doing a great job. Deion Smith, that guy, man, what a good player he is. Um, very smart guy. We're doing a lot of things with him, and uh, very impressed with just how smart he is and how mature he is. He's a great leader. And then LJ Martin is a standout in camp so far. Uh, he's one of the best players on this team, and he will play this year. You'll see he's, he's, he's a very good football player. Getting LJ was incredible. I have an uncle who lives in El Paso and uh, knows the family, and he is the number one fan of uh, LJ Martin here. Yeah, I, you know, I try not to get too excited about freshmen sometimes, but he's already proven that he's going to be a player for us this season. That's exciting. Okay, uh, wide receiver. You have three incumbent guys uh, trying to stay healthy, two transfers that look to uh, play into it, and then how, how big do you want that group to be in terms of what that rotation could look like? Right now we have a six-man rotation, so you have the three guys returning, Cody, Keanu, and Chase, and then uh, Darius and Keelan Marion are the two transfers. They're both doing a very good job, and Parker Kingston has, uh, wow, he's only been playing wide receiver for one year because um, he was a high school quarterback, and um, he's right there in that group, as good as anybody in that group. He's a very good player great speed and uh, so that's our six right now and then we have a couple other guys you know that are reliable that I think could could fill in in a game play for us Talmadge Gunther, Hobbs Nyberg, uh, Dom Henry's had a really nice camp I think he's knocking on the door there for a chance to play um, I'm probably forgetting someone oh and then Jojo mm -hmm. uh, 
doesn't exactly always know what he's doing yet, but super talented kid that has a really bright future. Okay, tight end Isaac Rex, and then what's the battle like for number two and three there? Uh, Ray Paulo has really stood out to me, and uh, same with uh, Tava, our transfer from SUU. Those two guys are both going to play a big role for us for sure. Um, and then Mason Fakahu has done a nice job in camp as well. So those are the, the four main guys that are getting the most of the reps right now, and we have uh, really upgraded at that position. Just Isaac's so much improved from a year ago, and the addition of Ray and Taba, those two guys are doing a great job. Um, very impressed with both of them. And Mason Fakahua is much, you know, he was a new, it was a position change for him last year, and now he actually looks comfortable at that position and is doing a nice job. Okay, on the offensive line, certainly Kingsley at left tackle, and then it feels like uh, there's some battles there. How's the uh, Connor Pay, Paul Miley battle at center? Well, the interesting thing about that is it's like the least of my worries right now because mm. we've been alternating them, and you never even notice which one's which. They're just both good, solid players, the veteran guys, very professional about it. Uh, and I think I think both of them would probably like to be the center, but neither one of them makes a big deal about it, and I honestly don't even notice in practice which one's in. I'm more concerned about other things because I just know those two guys are both going to do a great job for us no matter what they play. And if one's the center, the other's probably a guard, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, one of them will start at center, one will start at guard, and and um, either way, the, either way, I've you know one thing I've told both of them is you've both started so many games in your career at center that it's not a bad thing to play guard. You know, like you just put more games on tape of playing another position. So yep. whichever one of them does it, it's it's not it's not a negative at all. Caleb BTN seems to have been running with the ones the most at right tackle to this point. He's had the most reps there, yes, but we have we have rotated some other guys in. Uh, uh, Simi and uh, Braden Kime have both played right and left tackle, and uh, both are doing a good job. And then other other guards that have come in, uh, Tyler Little, Sonny Moccasini, who, who else has been in the mix? I'd say Waylon. Uh, Waylon's probably, he's been, in, he's been a factor in there, and uh, Ian Fitzgerald had a very good scrimmage Saturday, um, but uh, so that would be a couple guys, yeah. You've been bullish on this O-line. Certainly they were uh, incredible last year. What do you feel like um, is different about this group than last year's group? I just think these guys are hungry. Um, and first of all, they, they all seem really like they're having a lot of fun and they're really appreciative to be here. You know, we have some transfers in that group, and it's, it's been fun for me to see the transfers embrace our team culture, embrace BYU, Provo, and, you know, uh, there's some new faces in there, but the energy that those guys bring every day um, is contagious. You know, the other the other players on the team feel it and they feed off of it, and so that's that's been my favorite thing about those guys. Each of the last uh, three starting quarterbacks have BYU had uh, their strengths. Zach and Jaron. What does Keaton do that's maybe a little different than what those two guys did? Well, I wouldn't. I don't think there's that much. There's a lot more in common than there are differences. You know, he's. He's not, I think it's no secret, he's not the exact same runner that Zach was or, um, you know, but he's a very accurate passer. He's a better runner than you think. Um, he can run everything we've been doing for the last two years, and, um, but he can really throw it. And his decision making is outstanding and, and I'm really happy he's here. How much of, uh, hey, this is our system, you fit into this versus, okay, I see you can do this, I sort of add this into the play calling exists? It's a little bit of both. I mean, football is definitely about creating matchups and finding ways to get the ball to your best players, doing what they do best. And I feel like, uh, however, our offense allows for that. You know, we have a very diverse system. We, we can play in just about any personnel grouping you can think of. 
we, uh, we have a lot of formations and shifts and motions and things we can do to create those matchups. And so, yeah, it's just a matter of each year finding out, okay, who are the guys? How do we get them the ball? Doing what they do best. And I think we're going to be hard to defend. How many snaps could you give, uh, you know, this team September 2nd if needed? So, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. How many, how many snaps could you at receiver give this team oh. if needed? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> First rule of coaching is never demonstrate full speed, <laughs> and I never do it. So, yeah, none. Well, thanks for the uh, time, and best of luck in the next couple weeks. Nice to talk to you. Never Z Zero steps. Oh, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. Oh, oh man. Okay, I'm, I'm excited about a couple of things you mentioned. LJ Martin, he's a player. He's proven he's going to be a player on this team. He's going to see time. We're going to see him. That's exciting. Then the tight end it was pretty interesting, Spence. So it's Isaac Rex, obviously. And then Ray Paulo is a junior college transfer from Allen Hancock College, not to be confused with Hancock the movie, okay. which was fun but not that good. Um, he's better. And then you had Mataava Taese is an SUU transfer at, from uh, tight end. These two guys are totally new. May, maybe the, the tight end the group backup. is the most upgraded. Maybe. They, they've got to show us a little bit there. I think we've seen more out of the running backs. Like, we've seen Aiden Robbins get 1,000 yards, right? Yeah. And Deion Smith um, didn't have huge numbers, but he was Colorado's leading rusher in a Power 5 league, blah, blah, blah. Um, former Power 5 league. It, it is exciting to see some of these new guys who will have an impact this year. For him to say L.J. Martin is already one of the best football players on this team right now as a freshman. Top it, 300 ESPN recruited. And then qualified, it was saying, well, I'm trying to get too excited about freshmen, but he's so, but he's so good, he's going to play this year, and he's going to make an impact on I love team. it, because we're going to see him against the Bearcats in how many days? Countdown to the Bearcats. 17 days. That's my favorite prime number. What's 17? Your, what's yours? Your favorite prime number? <laughs> my favorite prime number is probably 11. 11. Yeah, because it's one of my favorite overall numbers. 43 is a pretty good one. Da David Nixon. <laughs> after, you, after, you, you and Chris Morris of the Utah Jazz. Nice pull, dude. <laughs> Although he missed a couple of threes in Chris that game five. Morris. That cost him against the Rock. Anyway. I can still, I can still hear Marv Albert. Five? Yes. After a Sweet 16 appearance last season, number 13 women's soccer regular season opener tomorrow night. Southfield against number 21 St. Louis. Mm. And 9 Eastern on Big 12, now on ESPN+. Plus. Chris Morris is on fire! He wasn't in Game 5, 95, though. <laughs> what Big 12 news broke the internet? Or maybe didn't break the internet, but still, it's Big 12 news! You love the announcement of the announcement, Jerem. It's my favorite thing. This is BYU Sports Nation. Please tease us more. Yes! BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day. Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's get to today's headlines. BYU football has meetings and recovery today, but the day off is a practice, uh, from practice as they prepare for Sam Houston on September 2nd. Here's Tyler Batty from yesterday's practice. So against our offense, it's a little tricky. Our offense, uh, we know our offense, right? They love, you know, a little bit of misdirection. And so um, it's really good for us uh, on the defensive side of the ball, having to go up against our offense every day. Uh, I definitely feel like it makes us better. 17 days to Sam Houston. BYU ranked number 51 as well in the final ESPN preseason SP Plus rankings. 
10th out of the 14 Big 12 teams. Hey, 10th is better than the 11th they were picked to finish in the preseason coaches poll. Men's Nine basketball picks. news. <laughs> the Cougars and Mark Pope have hired former player Nate Austin. He's back, baby. As the director of basketball operations. Of course, Nate, all-time fouls leader. Yeah, games played. Let's leave games it with that, played. Spence. Come on, the, man. The Iron Man. Didn't uh, make we, the graphic. We love Nate. <laughs> uh, yeah, served at Salt Lake Community College as an assistant coach since May. Now he's back in Provo where he belongs. He loves BYU. Also, we mentioned at the top of the show, Quez Glover has committed to Kansas State. So he leaves BYU stating NIL concerns and gets a $200,000 paycheck to be a bench player at Kansas State. We will see Quez Glover later this year. Reportedly 200K from Robbie. Robbie McCombs was the one that reported the 200K, yeah. yes. Women's volleyball ranked number 17 in the ABCA preseason poll, joining top-ranked Texas, 15th-ranked Baylor, 19th-ranked Houston. Remember, BYU picked to finish second in the league. Cougars opened the season with fifth-ranked Pitt coming up next weekend. Jamie Shepard of BYU Women's Soccer has been named the United Soccer Coaches Players to Watch list. Okay. Seven goals, five assists, started all 21 games. She is an all Big 12 preseason team selection for 2023. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark told the Marshawn and Oron Sports Media Podcast, the Big 12 is done expanding and talks with Gonzaga and UConn have stopped because, quote, we had a strategy and effectively we've been able to execute. I'd say that and then some. Michael Rucker, as we move into the major leagues, was recalled by the Chicago Cubs from AAA Iowa. This is his third stint in the show with the Cubs this season. In 34 appearances, he's 2-1 with a 5.0 at the earned run average, 17 walks, 39 strikeouts. The men's volleyball team is in the MPSF, Mountain Sports Pacific, Mountain Pacific Sports Federation. Yesterday, the league announced it is adding two teams to men's volleyball in 2025. Expansion? What? Menlo and Vanguard transitioning from NAIA to Division II. They will put the league up to nine teams in two seasons from now. Menlo? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got to figure where Menlo is. Uh, Cougar kickoff for those local to Provo, Utah, or somewhere in the northern part of Utah that want to attend tonight, meet some of the players and athletes, get autographs and whatnot. 6 to 8 p.m. Mountain Time at the Student Athlete Building Practice Fields. Those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark says the league's done expanding, isn't talking to UConn and Gonzaga anymore. Is this the right move? Yes. Until there's some sort of fallout with the ACC, then the Big 12 should probably just stay put. The TV contracts don't dictate that they can prorate a full amounts for non-Power 5 teams. That too. So why would you add these teams at this point? No. They were, you were only maybe going to add them if you didn't add the ones you did, I think. And they were, I think, going for Oregon and Washington initially, but that didn't happen. For sure. Yes, the stand pad at 16. We'll see what happens at the ACC. Yep. Yesterday, the Big 12 tweeted, big news would break today. And that news, Jerem, is an announcement that Nelly, famous R&B artist, rapper, is going to perform the halftime show at the Big 12 championship game. What do you think of the big news? No, I'm not a huge fan of teasing announcements. I say you just announce it. <laughs> um, because it's hard to meet or exceed what people think it could yes, be. Yes, yes. And people were thinking expansion probably again. Um, Nelly's pretty cool though. Nelly was a fan of one Jimmer Fredette when uh, Jimmer was playing. So we've always sort of liked Nelly here at uh, BYU because he loved Jimmer too. <laughs> it's getting hot in here, man. Uh, it is getting hot yeah. in here. Uh, <laughs> and we'll stop it right there. Pause. <laughs> Up next. Adam Amin of Fox Sports, longtime friend of the program and just an amazing human being overall, joins the show to discuss 
Cougars in the NFL because he's going to call a bunch of their games yes, this season. Fox Sports. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Our friend of the program, Adam Amin, we've known him for a long time, calls a lot of games on Fox with MLB, NFL, Chicago Bulls, TV play-by-play. He's been doing games for a long time. He's been covering the Cougs. We wish he was still calling college football, but now he calls a lot of Cougs in the NFL. I spoke with Adam earlier this morning mostly about that. Adam, welcome back to the program. It's good to see you. You look comfortable in uh, your plaid shirt here today. It's very comfortable. I'm going to go chop down a tree in a little bit. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Uh, lots to discuss, especially in your world. You used to call, uh, you know, BYU games all the time. Listen, now you're big time, man. It's been fun to see you uh, catch up with you doing uh, the Bulls games, obviously, uh, as a Chicago guy. And then the uh, NFL and MLB on Fox, USA Basketball with Bill Raftery. Uh, how are you staying busy these days? Seems like a lot's going on. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been good. We uh, we've had this nice little fun run with USA basketball the last probably you know week and a half, and we got another one coming up on Friday with uh, USA and Greece. The uh, the Sans Giannis Greece roster as he's kind of recovering from his knee issue, but uh, the US looks good uh, on their run up to the uh, FIBA World Cup, which starts at the end of the month, and then uh, I'm in the midst of. Bears uh, preseason games, uh, Chicago Bears NFL preseason games, getting ready for the Colts on Saturday. So that'll be exciting to see a young quarterback and Anthony Richardson. And then uh, I think, uh, you know, it's it's crazy to think that right around the corner, we've got Major League Baseball playoffs, you know, maybe a month plus away. And, you know, we'll do the stretch run of the regular season before we get set for the American League Division Series. And the NFL starts in, I think it's three weeks, or I'm, I'm traveling in about three weeks for it. So three and a half weeks away from uh, the start of the NFL season. So it's all it's all coming up fast, and, and summer's basically over, my friend. So uh, we're getting ready for it. Yeah, I got one little vacation left, and then we're, then we're digging in. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, connections all over the place with BYU, I suppose. Eric Meek on the Slex team kind of helping that USA team get ready, which has been cool. They tweeted out a nice article yesterday. And then Cougars, obviously, in the pros in the NFL. And let's talk about a couple of those guys that you cover almost week to week, uh, some Cougar in some fashion. Fred Warner's emergence from – a 4-9 BYU team a senior to best middle linebacker in football has been, has been wild. What have you noticed of his uh, development in the NFL to become perhaps the best middle linebacker in the game? Yeah, I remember talking to Kyle Shanahan about this several times. He's covered a lot of 49er games over the years, and obviously they've been you know, a, a very productive uh, NFC team, making you know, some deep playoff runs, getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, and not only just what his coach says, not only what Kyle Shanahan has said, but what other coaches like when we go in for meetings with teams during the week or or we're talking with, you know, the road team at their hotel or we're talking with them maybe the day before us or, or whatever it may be. We're always asking like, well, what are you guys concerned about? What's the thing that sticks out on the opposite defense or the opposite offense, whatever it may be. And, you know, more often than not, if you're playing San Francisco line item number one, for an offensive coordinator on the other side is where's Fred, where's 54 was for where's Fred Warner. We have to keep an eye out for Warner because like you said, he's, he's developed quickly into one of the top middle linebackers in the game. And it, it's his vision more than anything else. I think his intelligence and his vision to allow him to get to spots that other players maybe don't get to as quickly. Uh, maybe they don't predict or react the same way that somebody like Fred has over these years, he's the captain of that defense. And, and they've they've obviously been one of the more talented defenses 
in the NFL when you have a Bosa on the front line, when you have talented back-end players. But, you know, that's a secondary that's been injured a lot over the course of the last three or four seasons, and yet they've been a productive defense because of what Fred has done, honestly. And and he's going to have a little more work to do this year. They lost Aziz Al-Shair uh, to free agency and I think to Tennessee. And, you know, they, you, you lose a couple of pieces and you're still trying to build up the back end of that defense. But Fred has always been productive and it's his vision. It's his intelligence. It's how quickly he acclimated to the NFL game, the speed of it. He was ready for it as soon as he came out of BYU. And uh, I think just all those attributes that he's been able to put together over the course of a, of a college career and now into his pro career, they, they've accumulated into what I think is a really strong inside Mike linebacker skill set, especially in that defense. The talk of the offseason has obviously been the Jets. Hard Knocks is uh, showcasing that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is probably the best possible free agent quarterback they could get in that situation. And our guy, Zach Wilson, uh, seems to be thriving as the backup. Certainly had his struggles, was thrown into the fire. It's not a place where quarterbacks have typically thrived uh, in the past, unless your name's Joe Namath or whatever. Um, but here Zach is, seeming to uh, have a good time and be learning and be developing, and maybe it's the best-case scenario for Zach. How, how do you kind of see that situation as is for Zach Wilson? Yeah, I, th I think it's it, we have we have a lot of expectation for starting quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Like the the assumption is if you're a number one pick, then you have to be productive, you have to be immediately comfortable with the NFL game, and that's just not the case with everybody, and that's okay. Like I, I think we've put a lot of expectations unfairly on young players over the last couple of years, and I understand why. Like the the capitalism of the NFL has garnered that feeling right when you get paid now as much as a lot of these quarterbacks do when you get you know guaranteed money and and you're set essentially for life uh the expectation is well you better do your job and you better do it immediately and and we have that same i don't know if i'd call it a problem necessarily but it is an issue certainly i, I think that issue pops up in the nba as well we have very very high expectations for 19 year old kids that come out of you know one year of college and we have very, very high expectations for 21-year-olds who come out after, you know, maybe only two years uh, playing, you know, in college. You, you know, maybe they redshirted a year and they only played for a couple seasons. Maybe they were only a starter for one full season in their college days. And I, I think we have this, this lofty expectation on a lot of players and sometimes unfairly. And I, I'm sure part of it is the New York market, you know, for Zach Wilson. There, I, I don't know if we've had those same standards maybe for Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville because it is a smaller market team and there wasn't a lot expected of Jacksonville and even though the Jets have struggled for a long time the the expectation is well you're the New York Jets you know you're in a mar you're in a major market you're in the biggest market in the country so the the level of play and the the level of production is supposed to match that right out of the gate and I don't know if that's necessarily fair so for some guys maybe not having to be thrust into the spotlight right away is a benefit and obviously having somebody like an Aaron Rodgers who's been in that position before too I mean he had some interesting expectations thrust on him when he was drafted by Green Bay and he was behind Brett Favre but uh, I think having somebody like that that does have the wealth of experience that Rodgers has had and not just as a player but as kind of like uh, kind of what's emotionally been put on Aaron Rodgers from the very early days of his career i think it's a good spot for zach right now to be able to learn his future may not be in new york and that's okay you know sam darnold had the same issue like his future as the number one pick 
in New York was not meant to be. He ended up getting traded to Carolina. He got moved around a little bit. You know, he's currently, you know, not, you know, he's currently sitting as a backup right now. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're not a worthy quarterback. You may just have to wait your turn. And I think when you can garner a little bit of, of wealth of knowledge, that always helps. And I think Geno Smith is probably a great example of it more than anybody else right now in the NFL. What happened to him in Seattle? He was a New York Jet quarterback. He had those same expectations thrust on him. And eventually, after a couple of spots and some years and some knowledge and some wisdom and some scarring, you know, he turned into a viable, solid, very productive NFL quarterback last season. And that the expectation is that's going to be the same thing. So maybe that's what's in the cards for Zach going forward. We hope so. Uh, in New Orleans, we've enjoyed watching Taysom Hill be one of the most unique players in NFL history. I'm sure that's fun for you to prepare for, not knowing where he might show up on the field. <laughs> and now Jamal Williams, perhaps the greatest personality in the NFL, yeah. has joined him, that backfield that was at BYU for several years, which was fun. Do you like anime? Do you like anything as much as Jamal Williams likes anime? No, Jamal Williams <laughs> likes anime more than I've loved or liked anything in my life. Uh, he has the joy of a child, and I mean that in a very, very positive way. Uh, and, and to bring that to New Orleans, this is a franchise that was very buttoned up, I would say, for the most part, when it was Peyton and Breeze. And I know they had you know, the, the bounty scandals and everything about a decade ago, but I mean, for the last 10 years or so, before the, the, the Dennis Allen regime started, this was a very kind of standard organization that you just kind of churn out good players. You make the right signings and you have your franchise quarterback and you try to build around him. And they did. And they were able to make some deep playoff runs and obviously get a Super Bowl out of it. And when all of that changes, it's a really quick, steep learning curve that you have to uh, dive into as a coaching staff and as new players that come in. So, you know, what Derek Carr is dealing with right now, he seemingly is enjoying himself and he's a great leader to have in there. Uh, Taysom, anytime we've gone into you know, what we were just talking about with Fred, it's a lot of the same, actually. We've done a lot of Saints games, and we've gotten very familiar with Taysom. And I've called games where he's been the starting quarterback. I've called games where he's been the flex, I, what I refer to as the flex guy. Um, that's what I have him as, as on, my, on my spotting chart. Anytime we do a Saints game, I just have him in a backup quarterback slot, but it's labeled as flex, and I just have all of his numbers and all of his snap counts from various uh, positions that he's playing. How many snaps did he have at receiver or tight end or Y or X or at the fullback position or whatever it may be. We just have those snap counts because he has been one of the more unique talents in the league and he's been ready for anything. And there's a reason that Sean Payton made sure that he got paid when uh, he was still the head coach in New Orleans. And there's a reason that Dennis Allen still likes to use him. I love that combination. And I love that Jamal Williams has found another home and He's going to be a very essential piece to what they're trying to do with Derek Carr and trying to solidify an offense that was so good and so productive under Drew Brees and Sean Payton for a long period of time. They've dealt with a lot of injury, a lot of personnel shifting, obviously a new staff, new quarterback. So they're still trying to figure their 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 kind of identity out, but they have so many different directions that they can go in. And I think that's going to be really solid for New Orleans in a division that really is wide open. That's a very wide open division. And Derek Carr is suddenly the most experienced quarterback in that division. So I, th I think having Taysom and having Jamal two safety blankets in a lot of ways is going to be really productive for that. Uh, thanks for the time. Thanks for joining the program. And uh, we need a Valpo BYU men's basketball game at some point, I think, right? Looking forward to it, man. Hopefully it's, uh, it's sooner rather than later because we've, uh, we've had a couple of fun ones in these uh, last few years. Thanks, Adam.
Adam Amin, all-time great, man. He's awesome, just, man. Just a great dude. But oh, Jamal's headshot. Though. I'm still focused on that. I'm, gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm so distracted by Jamal's uh, yeah, the best. His photo. <laughs> Up next, a rise and shout-out that may or may not be to Jamal Williams and that, uh, that headshot. <laughs> I kid. Uh, it's more of a Sports Nation Christmas. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Our question of the day, does BYU men's basketball and their success hinge on NIL money? Is it that straight up and simple? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Kevin Kelly on Facebook who says, NIL money is an important component. There are some players BYU won't be able to get without it, and they need that talent if they're going to compete in the toughest conference in the country. Okay. Okay. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Robbie Trano, producer of Sirius XM Big 12 Radio. We sent him uh, some swag. Here's what it looks this like. This is awesome. This is why you become a BYU fan. Are you serious? Jacket, sweater, hats, lanyard, this. I love you, BYU. There's no cougar tail. That's my biggest complaint, uh, if there was any, but this is the nicest thing ever. Thank you to BYU Sports Nation. Watch all their stuff. Uh, go Cougs. <laughs> Welcome to the fam, Robbie. <laughs> Our thanks to today's guests, Aaron Roderick and Adam Amin. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Nick Sanderson. We'll see you tomorrow for more BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs! Bring on the Big 12. What is my NIL?